Amen. Please be seated. Of course, uh, David, who we've been studying, is the Israel singer of songs, and so it's appropriate that occasionally we um, listen to his voice in the poetry of the scriptures in the book of Psalms. And this uh, beautiful psalm is uh, part of the works that God gave us through him. So let's pray, and then we'll hear from God's word. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercies. You who um, are and will be, you who have been forever and will continue on to eternity, you who are right and holy and pure and just and kind, you who have be by your own nature uh, shown us that all things, um, Lord God, belong to you, including us. Teach us where we should go what we should love, and what we should ask. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as decreed for Israel. To give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. We'll look around and see who's here, and then remember this. This is all you get. This is everything you'll ever have. This is the one thing that you touch and enjoy, that you are part of, that will be forever, and everything else will be swept up in the great movement of the new heavens and the new earth, when the church in all of its fullness, when the reality of Jerusalem is made again. You don't really have anything except the church. And since this part of the church is your church, this is really what you have. This is all you get. I hope you enjoy it. Samwise, speaking of Rivendell, if you have... If you haven't read Lord of the Rings, I didn't read it till I was in my mid-40s. I faked it the whole way through as a pastor until then. The movies helped, but then I learned that the movies don't always follow it exactly, so I thought I'd better read it. He spoke of uh, Rivendell. He said, uh, it's like being at home and on holiday at the same time. That great elvish kingdom where everything is sweet and good. Well, this church is heaven on earth, but I tell you right now, it's not very often like being on holiday at home at the same time. There is a lot of earth still left in this little bit of heaven on earth, and so what I want us to see in this psalm of David, this um, psalm that speaks of his pilgrimage, is I want us to see what it's like to be in church and always be going to church, to be among the people of God and make your life to be more among 
and fuller and richer and more complete among the people of God by listening to David, who by the time this psalm is written, is already in Jerusalem, but yet still loves to go to Jerusalem over and over and over again, just like I pray we would long to be in the assembly of God's people always. So let's look at the pilgrim's way, the pilgrim's destination, and then the pilgrim's prayer. So what I want us to know about being a pilgrim, first of all, is that the pilgrim goes. This is a a life of movement, of direction, of intentionality, as the New Testament calls it. It's a walk, and it's a journey. And David delighted with those who said, hey, let's go. Let's go to the house of the Lord. But before we go too deeply into that, I want us to see what this psalm is saying and really what it's doing. It's part of the scriptures and the psalms that are called the songs of ascent. They are um, actually structured in their, in their uh, poetry and the structure of the language itself it, with um, a measurement that would give you the sense of rising up. It's hard to put into the English. But, but actually where that comes from is that your Jerusalem in the temple was on the top of a hill. And so people would come up the hill to go to the house of God. But there's something more for you about your journey, about about what this life is. This is a picture, the first sign is a picture of God's new Eden, of his new city. Listen to these words in a book in the um, New Testament called Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to this and let it sink in. But you, speaking to the church, you have come. That is, you're not going. You are present in Mount Zion. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable innumerable angels in festal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all the earth, and the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. You are in heaven right now. I imagine you might be a little disappointed. But you're only disappointed because you don't see the fullness and the richness, and none of us do, of what you're surrounded by. When I said, this is all you get, we might have thought, wow, I, you know, to go back to the Wizard of Oz, I got chased by wild monkeys for this? For this man behind the curtain? No. The riches of heaven are embedded to be known and seen by faith right in the people next to you. And I really right in the people all over the world. Listen to the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out from heaven. You are in this redemptive um, time and space convergence where, believe it or not, you're enacting, even as you're together right now, this journey towards what we will all be living in and enjoying forever and ever. And so the pilgrim goes, and that's what the pilgrim wants more and more and more of. I rejoiced. I was glad. I wanted. I longed to go to the house of the Lord. 
Now, what's remarkable about this is David will speak in a moment about um, the thrones or the, the rule of the house of David. It's already in Jerusalem. David is in Jerusalem longing to go more deeply, more fully, more completely into his own reality, into his own space, into his own place. What do you want? What do you long for? Here's a, a, a life lesson for all of us, no matter what we believe. We're always going to what we want. We're always on a journey. We always follow our hearts. You know, I believe everything my heart loves, no matter how much it hurts me. I'm always going to what my heart wants, no matter how disappointing it might be. David delights to go. I tell you this, it's uh, more often than you imagine. Your pastor, I know Brad, he would share it with me, and I shared mine with him. Your pastor does not delight to go to the house of the Lord. And and we know, because we live with you, that you don't always delight to go into this place. It's hard to remember that all of the shortcomings in this room, including your own, certainly including my own, are also part of uh, the one thing you get, the one thing you want. Because you do come here because you want more than this world can give you. And it's all right here. This is the one thing you have now that, that we know we will have 10,000 years from now. This is the one thing. You better like these people that are with you. You should even like the people you don't like. That's how serious this is. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what David says. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem, right here. What we'll see in a moment is that David stands, and then David and the rest of the Psalms teach us to consider, to contemplate, to realize where we are. To be delighted to go. So what if you're not delighted? What if you've been dragged here by your parents or a friend or by this time it's just habit or you know it's all true and you don't, um, you're not feeling it lately? Well, I would say a couple things. First of all, keep coming, okay? Don't not come. Don't not walk. Don't not be a pilgrim. Because if you, if you don't come here, you'll be going somewhere. But, but also remember the goodness of God. He's giving you all this and he's giving you more, far more than you can ask or imagine. He just wrapped it up in this confusing providence and these plain people that are all around you. But you're standing here. You're Feet are standing in that thing, that one treasure, that one gift that will last forever and ever. When I was in uh, college in 1984, we, air quotes, studied in Europe for a semester. 
And um, we were making our way through Paris for the second time. And we knew it was going to be the last time we were in Paris. So we, we had been on a train all night. We had no money because we spent it all in Munich. And um, it was raining. And I looked at my friend and I said, man, we cannot be in Paris twice and never go to the Louvre. Because, yeah, I guess not. So we went there. We stood in the rain because it was before it was open. And then we spent our food money to get in. And we were wet and we were tired. And I said, what do you want to do? And he goes, well, let's look at something. Go, All right. So you might not get what happened next, but, but then we went and we were sure we saw Michelangelo's David, which is actually in Florence. But anyway, so we were like, wow, we saw David. Cool. And then <laughs> we were not really dialed in. And then, and then we walked over to Mona Lisa, who is frankly, even in a better state of mind, not, not as impressive as the press she gets. And then, then I looked at my buddy and I said, I'm done. And he said, me too. And we went and slept at the train station all day till our train left that night. We were standing amidst treasures that we were too tired and dull-hearted to enjoy. You are standing in a place full of even more incredible beauty in all of these redeemed image bearers. Make sure you you look around and see its beauty. Let's look at this destiny. You can tell through the whole course of the psalm that David is delighted to be in this city. He's delighted to be in this place where God dwells with his people. And that's really the beauty of the destination of the people of God. The ornaments and the accoutrements of the temple, all of its stations, all of its elegance, all of its beauty, it's not there to um, impress us with its craftsmen, but to manifest the presence of God. That's the beauty of this place that David went to. It's where God met his people. And so in this place, in this room right now, the image of God is surrounding all of us and his work in each one of us, his redemption, is right next to you and right in front of you and right behind you. But realize this too. You know, God is over at Safeway right now. You know how we know that? We know that because God is everywhere. But why is he here in a different way? Because he comes to places according to his promise. And he's promised to be with his people. That intensifies his presence. He's promised to be in his, the prayers and praise of his people. That intensifies and manifests him in new ways. He is in the singing, in the preaching of the word, and the sacrament, and the forgiving of sins. In all these ordinances, God shows himself to you. You're standing there. Can you see it now where you've come? 
He is here in ways he is not with you at any other time this week because all of those promises and ordinances must be done together. He's here. Psalm 48, walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers and consider well her ramparts. Go through her citadels that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide forever. Become a student of God's presence among his people and tell one another about it, especially the children who are with you. In my other travels, in the 70s, my family went on this grand tour that included a stop in Egypt. And it was 72, I think, or 3. And no one in Egypt had realized that marching people, or Greece for that matter, marching people all through these ancient ruins might not be a great idea. So, so one of my great memories, one of the great treasures I've been given is I got to go in King Tut's tomb. So take that. But we just walked through it. It was, it was pretty small, just like, just like the movies. But um, we just walked through it. We couldn't stop. We were just in line. And, and that's not really your destiny. Um, your destiny is to be with people. And you can hear it throughout the psalm. Um, David uh, not only sees the beauty and the manifestation of God, but, but this is a place for us. This is a place for actual people. He says, Jerusalem is built like a city that's, that's bound together, firmly together. That word bound together is a word that in its other forms is used as, as companion. And David's saying togetherness, to, together with the people. Listen to this. I'll run through these, this psalm again. Just one, I, will, I was glad when they said, let us go. Look at verse 4. Uh, let's go with the tribes. Verse 6, may they be secure. Verse 8, my brothers and companions' sake, you are what you get. Look around. This is it. These are your people. This is your divine demographic. Not rich or poor, not slave or free, not man or woman, not Greek or Jew. But you, and you, and you, and you, and one another. This is your treasure. This is your destination. And if that's a bummer to you, if you wanted more, well, take heart. The people next to you and behind you, maybe they wanted more too. But maybe God knows more. There are no... Boring people, I think is how C.S. Lewis said it. There's only, there's only, only treasures. This destination has something else which will lead us to our last point, and I'll end this sermon in, in perhaps an unexpected way. Actually, you'll end this sermon. Um, but we go to the thrones in that place, the thrones judgment, the thrones of the house of David. 
The church is, a, is to be a witness for what is right and holy and just. That's the destination. To come to all of its beauty that we might give thanks. To come with one another that we might know what it is to love actual people who do good things and bad things, who are welcoming and exclude us, loving all the people as they actually are. And then to long and cry and work for justice. This is where we see that this temple is not about heaven only, but also about earth. It's about how we come and make a covenant with God in his presence to do right. To do right to one another. To do right to our neighbors to do right to the world because every time you come to this place, every time you come to this broken, incomplete heaven on earth that seems like mostly earth right now, you are telling God, we are telling God that we want His justice to be done, His will here on earth as it is where? May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The gathering of God's people is a militant cry for the world the way it's supposed to be. For the economy the way it's supposed to be. For crime and punishment to be executed, elevated the way they should be. For sexuality to be the way it should be. For family to be the way it should be. One thing you, you need to know if you're thinking about becoming a Christian, every time you come to church, you, you re-up all your promises to God. We don't tell you that on the way in very well. But every time you gather, every time we're here, we're saying, God, we want more of you on earth Now, this is where justice is done and we're going to go leave here and do it ourselves in your name. Sometimes um, I hear folks uh, tell me things like, it's easier to be at work than to be with Christians. Have you heard that? And, you know, they're, they're more welcoming Well, in a way that's true because they're not in covenant with one another. (laughs) Like I I can live almost any, well, I can't because I'm a minister. So let me take that back. But, but, but before I was a minister, I could, I could live almost any way I wanted to at work. I can't do that in my small group, can I? Of course it's easier to be other places, but that doesn't mean it's better. Because we have a call to justice and righteousness in this pilgrimage, in this destination. So let's now talk about the pilgrim's prayer. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they, the people, be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and commandments' sake, I will say, peace be within you. Um, I'm not really that good at Hebrew, but I'm going I'm to 
say this in Hebrew because it's so beautiful. Alu shalom Yerushalam. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This pilgrimage is a journey that is conducted in significant measure on our knees. You must pray for the peace of this place and of every place that names God, every outpost of heaven on earth, that there may be peace within its towers, that it, there may be good, is the word, that there may be prosperity, thriving, and shalom. Not just here, because when I said this is all you get, I hope you didn't think I meant just this, this gymnasium and just these people. No, you, you get everything. You get everyone and everyone gets you for all these thousands of years and however many more name Christ. And so what that means for us today and how we're going to close this sermon is that we are going to pray for those brothers and sisters to whom we belong and whom belong to us and with us in the Ukraine. You're going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, especially that part of Jerusalem which is in Ukraine and also our brothers and sisters in Russia who long for justice. You're going to apply this sermon right now with one another in this room and pray for peace. And here's how we're going to do that. We're actually going to pray together. We're going to pretend for a moment that we're not Presbyterians. And with the people nearest you, if you don't like praying out loud, don't. God doesn't need you to pray out loud. But with the people nearest you, after I pray, gather for a few moments and pray for our brothers and sisters. And then also pray, especially as you consider a new pastor, pray for all saints. I believe you can do this. So let me open us up. You can organize yourselves and then I'll close us. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've asked us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Hear our prayers now. Those who are comfortable, may they pray aloud with strangers or family or friends. Those who aren't, may they pray silently. But we're remembering now those of our family who are in grave distress. Hear our prayers, we ask in Jesus' name. Hear your people pray. Please, let's finish up. I'll close us here in a moment. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have uh, met with us, that we have come here according to your appointed promises and purposes, that we have, um, Lord God, been with your people everywhere, even as we're just in one place. We've even been with them in all times, even though this is just today. We have been surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, by um, the saints made perfect, and by saints who rose this morning in the East, including our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and Russia. 
While we were asleep, the sun rose and people gathered together. And we're now part of that singing, that praying, that learning, that crying, those um, feasts of sacraments that have been um, with the sun rising across the globe. And now it's to us and we pray, Lord God, that you would hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.